0: Welcome to Verse by Verse, the teaching ministry of Pastor John Reed from Calvary Chapel, Northwest Reno. You'll want to grab your Bible and follow along, verse by verse, with Pastor John. They sound the trumpet and they show off and they get the applause of men, and they don't give because they love God, they give because they want the recognition. I think you could do the right thing the wrong way. You can give to God with the wrong motives in the wrong fashion. And this is Ananias and Sapphira. Verse 4, While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not under your control? Why is it that you have conceived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. It's yours to give. We call it a free will offering. Can I tell you, we don't make anybody give. We don't send you a bill. We don't try to figure out your finances. You know, give if you want. Praise God. Uh, we hope you give. We hope you support the church. You know, we want to keep going, but we want to depend on God. It's a free will. It's between you and God, what you give, if you give, how you give. This is Peter telling Ananias. You didn't even have to give, but you gave in a wrong way. You tried to show off. You pretended you're sold out, that you gave everything, and you're really holding back. Verse 5. And as he heard these words, Ananias fell down. And breathed his last. And great fear came over all who heard of it. He was struck down by the Holy Spirit. Capital punishment. The Holy Spirit knocked him out. There's a scripture that says God holds our very breath in his hands. And all he's got to do is squeeze and you're puffed out. You're knocked out. Can I say, don't mess with the Holy Spirit. He's very powerful. Yes, he can be a gentle dove like the Calvary Chapel symbol, but he can be a powerful foe and an awesome storm. I would not lie to the Holy Spirit. I would not battle the Holy Spirit. I would not make fun of the gifts and the fruit and the works of the Holy Spirit. And I would not Blasphemy, the Holy Spirit, the unpardonable sin Jesus taught. Verse 6. The young man got up and covered him up, and after carrying him out, they buried him. There starts to become an awe and a respect Why would God be so severe? Because he's saying, don't mess with with me, don't mess with my leaders, and don't mess with my church. It is the founding of the church. It's key time. It's a pivotal time to have uh, respect and awe and a holy fear of God and the things of God. Verse 7. Now there elapsed an interval of about three hours, an intermission, if you will, in between. And his wife came in not knowing what had happened. And Peter responded to her, tell me whether you sold the land for such and such a price. What is he doing? He's giving her a second chance. You know, let's clarify, dear. Come on in. Tell me what's going on. Did you really sell this land for this amount? Are you sure that was correct? Chance to come clean. Tell the truth. Be true to yourself. Be true before God. And she said, yes, that was the price. She covers up. She continues the lie. Verse 9. Then Peter said to her, Why is it that you have agreed together to put the Spirit of the Lord to the test? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out as well. You're a liar. The Spirit has told me. I know the truth. Why have you conspired together with your spouse see they agreed together this is what they would do he is dead and now you're next verse 10 and immediately she fell at his feet and breathed her last and the young men came in and found her dead and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband there is a hierarchy of authority we covered this last week we obey god first and men second the authorities of god come first then the authorities of men come second it's true god has a hierarchy he has put parents over children the husband over the wife the pastor over the church, governmental authorities, police and governor and president, authorities, and God commands his people to obey the authorities. But sometimes the authorities contradict each other. What do I do when my parents tell me to break the law and do something immoral and horrible and nasty? You obey God. What do I do when my husband, my spouse asks me to do something nasty and break the law and just, you know, turn my back on Christ and leave the church and do crazy things that I know in my heart are wrong? What do I do? You obey God above men. What do I do when the government comes in and says it's against the law to be a Christian and read a Bible and to witness? And what do I do? Civil disobedience, like we read in the chapter before. You obey God above men. I wish I could tell you that authorities will always be good and righteous and tell you to do the right things, but it ain't so. (laughs) Sometimes I do counseling and, and parents are doing wrong things. And spouses are doing wrong things. And I've got to counsel people, you've got to obey God. You better know what the Bible says. You better know God's law and put God first. Can I tell you, Sapphira put her husband above God. And where did it end her up? Dead. <laughs> she put her husband before the Holy Spirit and she ended up in a grave. Do you see it? powerful lesson and you could say yeah but the authority told me to do it but what does God say you are accountable before him God trumps men verse 11 and great fear came over the whole church and over all who heard of these things A holy fear, a hush. Wow, did you hear what happened? Ananias and Sapphira, they thought they could fool God. They were faking it. It was a big show, and there's their grave. A holiness, a fear, a reverence for the things of God. Experience Jesus' powerful church. Verse 12. At the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were taking place among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's portico. Oh, let me say in verse 11, we have the word church. It first appears. This is the first appearance in the book of Acts. This is what Jesus called it. He said, I will build my church and now we have the word appears here in Acts. This is what we're called, the ecclesia, the called out ones, called out from the world. We're separate and different from the world. We're full of love and grace and mercy and holiness. And the church is so big, it has become a megachurch of over 10,000 people. The biggest facility that could hold the church was the courts, the Gentile courts of the temple. Solomon's temple, and so we have Solomon's portico or the porches, the Gentile outward court, and it could hold tens of thousands easily, and this is where the church is meeting now. It's become really big. Thirteen, but none of the rest dared to associate with them, with the apostles, However, the people held them in high esteem. Oh, I don't want to be all buddy-buddies with Peter. Did you hear what happened to Ananias? (laughs) Sometimes familiarity breeds contempt. You become too close to someone and too familiar, and maybe you push the boundaries. Don't mess with the apostles. They are holy, and the people kept a healthy distance and, and a respect toward God's leaders verse 14 and all the more believers in the lord multitudes of men and women were constantly added to their number the church is growing you know two people dying in church would scare everyone away it did the opposite effect it drew people in to see the power of god the healing the miracles the signs the wonders and the terrible awesomeness of god's power To such an extent that they even carried the sick out into the streets and laid them on cots and pallets, so that when Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on any one of them. Peter has changed. Remember Peter running away crying, scared of the servant girls, the accusations that he was a disciple of Jesus? Remember the trials? Peter runs away denying Jesus three times the rooster crows he's crying he's defeated he gives up ministry he goes back to fishing (laughs) Jesus calls him back but now the Holy Spirit has come upon him he has the baptism he has the boldness he has the power he's standing before the Sanhedrin the same ones who killed Jesus he ain't running anymore And he's facing them, and he's preaching at them, and he's battling them back. And Peter has this anointing and this power of God that is so awesome that the people are bringing the sick so that Peter's shadow will heal them. (laughs) That's quite impressive. Where your shadow can heal, it is the power of the Holy Spirit upon his leaders and his church. It is God's Stamp of approval. This is not a man made thing. The church is a God made thing. Verse 16 Also, the people from the cities in the vicinity of Jerusalem were coming together, bringing people who were sick or afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all being healed. The church is a hospital. The church is where you go when you're in trouble. Have the demons of hell been harassing you? More than once we've had people come and say, Pastor, I know I shouldn't have played with the devil. I shouldn't have made a pact with him. I invited him into me, and I can't get the demon out. Okay, we'll get it out. (laughs) pastor I had horrible sins and junk and stuff and I need to be saved I need to be set free I'm so broken and beat up and torn in the pain from the world I need a healing I need a touch from God I need to be made whole this is where you come come to church come to God come to his word come to his people come to his leaders Hopefully, uh, we are not sending people away and saying that they have to be perfect to come. You know, Jesus said it's the sick and the broken It's that need the healer, that need the church. The church should be a hospital, yes? It's where I hear God's voice, where I get the next step, where I get my miracle, I get my Direction, my sign from God, My wonder that only God can perform. Do you see they're coming? The broken, the injured, the hurting. People that the world has chewed up, spit out and stomped into the ground. Where do I go? Come to Jesus' house. Come here. And we should welcome them in. We should love them. We should pray for them. We should care for the sick and the hurting. It's called ministry. We don't come to church just to get. We come to church to give. Have you come to minister today? This is the early church. It is their koinonia. It is their Christian commune. They loved. They ministered. They gave sacrificially. Powerful Peter from a denier and a scaredy cat running away, crying, giving up, going back to fishing. And now he's our powerful leader. What is the point of all this? To give Jesus your all now. Can I warn you? The very thing that you are holding back from God may be the very thing that destroys you do you see it ananias and sapphira well we'll give half to god and we'll hold back and that very thing that they held on to destroyed their lives you may be struggling and saying, okay, God, I want to give you everything, but I got to hold back my alcohol. I got to hold back my drugs. I got to hold back my secret lover. I got to hold back my porn. I got to hold back my sin, my vice, my addiction. I got to hold back some money. I got to hold back this person. And let me warn you, the very thing you hold back from God may be the very thing that destroys you. Do you see it? Give it all. Give every part. I think being a Christian is like having a house. And the way you become a Christian is you open the front door and you say, Jesus, come into my house, into me. And then when he moves in, he wants to take over. He wants to attack those walls and rip down those pitchers. He wants to empty those closets of the past. And you may stand behind a room and say, you can't go in this room, you can't have this part of my life. But you must give him every room, every part, every inch, and hold nothing back. And that part you hold back may be the part that consumes you. Give him all completely I have noticed church givers in our church, we had one woman, she would give and give, give things she didn't have. She was poor, she was like on so security. And I tell her, I can't believe how much you give. You know, I, I don't understand. When someone needs clothes, you give them clothes. When they need food, you have them over. When they need a place to stay, you put them in your house, you put them in your trailer, you put them in your van. And she said, Pastor John, when I became a Christian late in life, Jesus changed my life, and I love him, and I'm on fire. And and you need to know, I used to be homeless. I used to be hungry. People had no room for me. And now that I'm a Christian, I'm not going to allow that again in this church. And if she found out you were in need in the church, she'd come up and she would help you. And I've seen others like that. Sometimes the poorest Christians are the biggest givers. Isn't that ironic? And I've seen Christians be humble in their spending, in their clothes, in their budget, so that they had money to give to God, to missions, to do God's work. They'd have money set aside to help other people in the church. And it'd blow my mind. It's like acts to put others first. As we speak about giving to God in the church, it is true you cannot take it with you. Ananias and Sapphira, that money they set aside, you know, they left it behind. Do you know, when you die, you could say, you know, put my beautiful clothes on, my jewelry, my card collection, put it all in the casket. But can I tell you, you're going to leave it behind, You could say, okay, when I die, I want the hearse, hook it up to the U-Haul, and I'm putting all my good stuff, all my toys in the U-Haul. But you know what? You're going to leave it behind. You can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. It's a powerful statement. I want you to think about that. You can not take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. How? Jesus said... You could store up treasures in heaven where thieves do not break in and steal, where moth and rust don't destroy. You can send your treasures to heaven where your heart is. There your treasure will be. And he talks about storing riches in heaven, sending it on ahead by giving to the poor, by giving to God, by meeting other people's needs. God will repay you, and you're sending it on ahead to heaven. Give Jesus everything because he gave you his all. Do you realize Jesus is the richest person who ever lived? He had the gold and silver of heaven, the riches, the glory, the kingdom, the thrones, the angels, the most richest kingdom, and he left it all, came down to earth, born to poor parents. You know, Jesus was poor. The disciples were poor. Jesus said he didn't even have a bed and a pillow. When it was time to pay his taxes, you know, we just had taxis, and him and the disciples didn't have money to pay taxes. He tells them, you're going to catch this fish, and in his mouth's going to be some gold. Use that to pay the taxes. Peter and John, the leaders of the disciples, they don't have any money. The beggar comes up to him and says, please, will you give me alms? Will you give me money? I'm a beggar. I'm lame. And they say, we don't have no money. Silver and gold have I none. But what I do have, in the name of Jesus, walk. Something better than money. So Jesus left it all, became poor for us, lived a humble life, of self-sacrifice, of pain, a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. He gave his all. He showed us how to live by example, love, forgiveness, grace. He went to the Garden of Gethsemane. He agonized over the cross. He made his flesh obey his spirit. He submitted to the Father's will, not my will, but thine be done, as he agreed with the Father, I will die tomorrow on the cross. The scourging, the whipping, the the mocking, the beating, the carrying the cross, all the way to the top of Calvary, hanging on the cross six hours, he gave his all, he gave his life, he poured out his blood, he gave every ounce, every inch, And he held nothing back for you, for me. He gave us his life by dying. And now he asks you to give your life to him by living for him and to hold nothing back, 100% self-surrender. Give Jesus your heart. Repent. Ask him in. Become a Christian. Live for him. Go all the way with Christ. Commit your whole life to him. Each and every part. Be completely sold out for Christ. And what is the one area? What's the one thing? What's the one person you're holding back? You must surrender that. To him, give it all. It's the old hymn All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him, in his presence, daily live. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, help us to give our all to you as you have given your all to us, that we would hold nothing back. May we learn from the example of Ananias and Sapphira to not plan and scheme against you. Uh, You are the most gracious Holy Spirit. May we be led by you. May we seek to build your kingdom, to use our talents, our resources, and even our monies to build your kingdom, to feed the poor, to help the needs of others. And may we hold nothing back, for we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for supporting Verse by Verse, the teaching ministry of Pastor John Reed from Calvary Chapel, Northwest Reno at 246 Courtney Lane, Reno, Nevada, 89523. Our phone number is 775-746-4567 and our webpage is calvaryreno.com. You're always welcome to join our services.